you know, we're going through the book of Ephesians today. We're probably going to be finishing uh, the first chapter of Ephesians. And uh, so as I'm going through it, first thing I really do is I go through and I read the Word of God. Man, I just read it, and I read it over and over and over again. And I read it in a bunch of different translations. And sometimes something catches me in one of the other translations. Uh, usually we're either in the New Living Translation or we're in the ESV Translation. And uh, for those that think the New Living is not good enough, it's, it comes from the same text as actually the ESV. And it's very scholarly when you look at it. But it's good to look at all the different kinds of translations. And in fact, sometimes if you ever want to know the context of something, if you're reading it and you're like, God, what does that mean? The, the guy who did the message, who God used to do the message. Anybody here read the message ever? Okay. It, it's, uh, it's not a word-for-word translation, but the, the guy got the concept. He's got the context of things down. So often I look. In fact, um, JJ was talking about Bible apps. I have one uh, called Takarta, T-E-C-A-R-T-A, and I get that app. And then what I do is I actually uh, buy versions. There's a bunch of free versions, but I buy them, and they're pretty cheap. And then I have the ability on my phone to go to all my versions and look, and it brings me right to that, and I can see it, and it really helps me out a lot So while we were on apps. But in reading this last part of uh, Ephesians chapter 1, um, I was reading it, and it was making sense, making sense, but when I got to the message, man, oh my goodness, I got to share, there's these words that stuck out, probably because I didn't really get them all, you know. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all are like me, you ain't the sharpest marble in the box, and sometimes you have to look up words. Anybody have to look words up? All right, good. That's glad I'm not alone. All right. And uh, so anyways, listen to the last part of this. Uh, here's the part that caught me, and it's towards the end, and as best I can tell, it, it's, it's actually the second to last verse in this chapter, but he said, the church you see, he's talking about, and you'll see where this all fits in, he says, the church you see is not peripheral, Okay, there was the word, because I mean, I use peripheral, peripheral vision. Y'all help me out. I try to tell my wife while I'm driving, dude. She's like, get your eyes on the road. I'm like, no, dude, man, my eyes are all over. Just because just I don't have my eyes on the road doesn't mean, you know, I, I'm not using peripheral vision. How many of y'all know your partners drive with peripheral vision? Did I say that right? I usually say peripheral, all right? And I know now why she probably didn't even know what peripheral is, but peripheral, is that how you say it? Peripheral vision? Yeah, so I use peripheral vision, but when I read it, I was like, it says, look, the church you see, and he's trying to explain what he just wrote, and you'll get this as we go through it. He said, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church, and it just kind of stuck, and I didn't even really know what that meant. And I had to look up, I even looked up peripheral. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what it means. It's how I drive. I'm, you know, I'm looking down at the, the text, the radio. No, where's Bonnie? I'm not texting anymore. Although, Chris, you guys, I was actually reading stuff while you guys passed me up there on US1 yesterday. I was busted. Did you see my face? Oh, you didn't catch my face? Oh, I had like a guilty kid being caught because they're like next to me. They pull up way down in, Stu- in Salerno, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> I had a busted face, man, because I was, I was reading, but I was driving with peripheral vision, okay? So anyways, don't, I'm not recommending that, but I did know what peripheral meant, but I didn't know it in there, and when he's talking about you know, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world's peripheral to the church. And I've been thinking about it a lot and all the different ways to explain it. And in God's way that he has to communicate to me, he showed me a Frisbee and a barrel of monkeys, all right? And so how many of y'all know what barrel of monkeys is? You ever play that game when you were kids? Dude, I was the champion and I've yet to play CUNY because 
I'm afraid to actually. But anyways, I got barrel and, and a frisbee here. And so, so if you will, um, here's the way I kind of want to look at this. So here's the way I kind of looked at things in life before. And, and, and this is sort of how we envision things. We live in this world, don't we? We're in this world, but we're not of this world. But yet, so what? sometimes I think, here's us, you're like this little monkey right here, and, and you're hanging on to the world. And, and so here's you, here's, here's me, okay? Um, if we want to go further, okay, so here's Christianity, okay, here's, here's Buddhism, okay, here's, uh, you know, Islam, we can go, okay, so wait a minute now, here's, um, here, here's golfing, whether it's disc golf or regular golf, okay, here's, here's boating, you know, and so we have all these different things. Here's your favorite sports teams. Here's your, here's your hobby. Okay, hang on, hang on. Here's your job. Here's your spouse's job. And, and so if this is the world, okay, we, we tend to think that everything's kind of hanging on this world. In fact, even in our Christianity, I started thinking about so often our Christianity, this is how our Christianity is described. Man, don't you feel like you got to at least have one hand hanging in the world still? We're not, uh, and, and we're trying to let less and less be in the world. And, and we got to like hang in the world here. Otherwise, we fall off is what we're kind of thinking. And so we tend to think the world is the center of everything. And we, our hobbies, our jobs, everything we do, every religion, it's all, what's the word I'm looking for? peripheral, peripheral. It's going to take some changing uh, for me to say not peripheral, peripheral. <laughs> I almost sound like I'm kind of stunned there, right? Peripheral. But we tend to think that the world's the center of everything and everything is peripheral to the world. But you know what Christ said in scripture there? He said, don't you know, man? He said, instead of Everything, uh, the Christianity being peripheral to the world, the world is peripheral to Christianity. In other words, as far as God's economy is concerned, and, and let me ask you a question, how long is God's economy going to last? Forever. Uh, is this world going away? Yeah, in fact, I was just talking to Keone, we were talking about the rainbow, and how the rainbow is, uh, you know, was God's symbol that he's never going to destroy the earth again by water when you read it in scripture. Because you could you imagine if we didn't have a rainbow, the first time it rained again, everybody's like, oh, you know, and every time it rained, we didn't have, but he said, I'm, that's my promise, I'm never going to destroy it that way, but he is going to destroy this planet, right? What's he going to destroy it by? Fire next time, dude. So you want to talk about global warming, everybody's just getting warmed up for that, you know, and we've talked about it theologically and how it all goes when we look at, JJ, we've got a battery issue. All right, that's all right. I'm just not going to pay attention. But man, so, so again, what I want you to understand, it's not like we have this world and you've got to hang on to the, here's Christianity. Not like we have this world and here's your job or you have whatever. Understand that instead of this being the world, this is Christ. This is Christianity, which Christianity, true Christianity is Christ. If this is Christ, you are in Christ. You are no longer hanging on. Man, when you give your light, this is how you come into the world. Here's Islam, okay? Here's, here's Buddhism. Here's, here's your, your, your identity as far as your job is concerned. Here's your hobbies. Here's, here's just you, man. You got nothing going on, dude. You're just like, well, I don't even know what I stand for. I don't know what my identity is. Here's you. The idea is, is not to have one hand in Christ. What has to happen? What we've been learning in Ephesians is you are in Christ. 
And when you are in Christ, man, how long are you in Christ for? Sue, how long are you in Christ for? Forever. And he puts you in Christ. He gives you the desire and ability. That's that predestination. And you choose, you use that desire and ability. There's your, there's your, your, you know, your, your own uh, uh, part of it, if you would. But he gives that to you. And so at the end, tell me scripturally, Jesus, now he's the one who brought this exclusivity. That's why uh, back in the day, Josh McDowell wrote a book and he said that Jesus was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was had to be Lord. He couldn't be Lord and, and be telling what he's telling. If, if what he said wasn't true, and Jesus was the one who said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He said, no one, absolutely no one can come to the Father without me. And there's no other way. He's the one who said that in true Christianity. That's what Christianity believes. That's what biblical Christianity believes. And again, I didn't make it up. He made it up. He's the one. And who makes up everything? He does. Who's the creator of the universe? He creates everything. He is. Man, so, so that's what he said. He said, I'm everything. And in the end, this world, you know, we talk about our life in this world, right? All right, hey, bro, I bet you I have 100 grains of sand on my feet. Will you pick like 100 grains off? No, dude, really? You're going to do it? He did it. Actually, most people are like, oh. So, so dude, 100 grains of sand. I just, I'll just get the ones between this toe right here. All right? 100 grains. And if each one of these grains represents a year of life, that's a long life, right? But eternity is not even represented by all the rest of the sand in the universe. This world is only going to be, I don't care how many millions or billions, you know, or whether you say this is a new earth, 10,000 years, oh, it's billions of years old to make an evolution work and whatever, all the, it doesn't matter. This earth is not eternal, is it? It was created, so it hasn't always been like God, and it's going to go away. And he's actually going to bring a new earth and a new heaven. And, and then that one's going to last forever. But this earth we're in is not eternal, is it? So I don't care how long, how long you say it's been around, how long it's going to be around. It's not eternal. God is eternal. And so everything in the world is, what's the word I'm looking for? Peripheral. Everything's hanging on the edge of God. And, and if God gives you the desire and ability to jump in and be in Christ, again, how long are you in Christ? And that lasts forever. If, if you believe the world, everything is peripheral to the world, man, when the world goes away, it all goes away. And that's why some theologies have, you know, Jehovah Witnesses believe you're annihilated. And, 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 and then maybe there's 144,000 to make it or whatever, and they're already picked. But irrelevant to that, the fact is, is that when you are born again, when you give your life to Christ, you are now in Christ. And this lasts forever. Let me ask you a question. Biblically speaking, what happens to everything? Everything is hanging on Christ. Everything is hanging. And when I say Christianity, I'm talking about Christ. Everything that's hanging on Christ that doesn't make it into Christ, whether it's by its own choice saying, no, I don't believe that. Nope, that's your opinion. Nope, that's, I don't, you know what? Maybe Jesus was a liar or a lunatic, you know, but he's certainly not Lord because he's Lord, then he's boss and I better do what he said to do. But, you know, he's a liar. You know, he didn't quite tell the truth. Maybe people misunderstood him. Maybe didn't, be, you know, whatever. Everything that doesn't make it into Christ, what ends up happening? Gavin, what happens to everything that doesn't end up in Christ? 
it falls off. And that's a very good, mild way of saying it. But in the end, there's two destinations. And what are they? Yeah, there's heaven and there's hell. That's a fact for eternity. So everything that's not, you read Revelation, you read the last chap, couple of chapters of Revelation. He even says of the great white throne judgment, everyone whose names was not written in the book of life. <laughs> they didn't make it in. You can't make it in by your own works. You've already blown perfection, and that's what was required. That's why Christ had to come, live in perfection, and die and pay for our sins. So I'm just going to be blunt of what Christ said is that everything that doesn't make it into Christ falls off and spends eternity in hell. So instead of looking at like, oh, here's the world. Okay, well, you know what? I'm a meditator. You know what? I'm a procrastinator. I'm a, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm an agitator. You know what? I'm a uh, whatever. I- I'm all these things and I'm just part of the world and here's the world. He said, no. And, and again, that's what really stuck out to me. It doesn't revolve around the world. It revolves around God. And you're going to see this a little bit later. So here's the instructions. And if you are in Christ, man, man, check this out. This is how Paul prayed for his church. Paul, how, when, Where was Paul when he wrote the book of Ephesians, by the way? He was in prison. And what was he in prison for, John? Preaching the gospel. He was in prison for, man, can you imagine? Like, uh, and again, he was in prison for doing nothing wrong. Is there anything wrong with going to Dairy Queen? <laughs> well, I maybe get a better example here. Uh, uh, you know, go to da- uh, Joy's Ice Cream. Anything wrong with going to Joy's Ice Cream, y'all? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely nothing. Even if you are lactose intolerant, Joy's Ice Cream is still worth it, isn't it? <laughs> I know some of you. <laughs> but anyways, man, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Can you imagine getting arrested for going to Joy's Ice Cream? You go to Joy's Ice Cream, oh, you're guilty and you get arrested. Would you be ticked off while you're in jail? Would you be ticked off in jail, bro? I didn't do white. You had to make something good illegal. And that's what happened with Paul. He's preaching the gospel. And when all of a sudden the Jews had convinced the Roman government that the, that the gospel and Christianity was not the same as Judaism, they had looked at it for so long as a spinoff, and they all of a sudden realized it's not. And they went against them. Now the Christians were being persecuted, and Paul was in jail for preaching the gospel in writing this. Now, let me ask you a question again Who put Paul in jail? Say it again. God did. And in the book of Philippians, where he wrote, he he tells us what the purpose was. He says in there, he said, these are my, I was chained in prison so I could write these letters. If Paul did not go to prison, we would not have Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and, and Ephesians. I say that already, or Philippians. We'd not have those four valuable books. God had to slow him down. So everything is by God's design for for our, for our good and his glory. And so when Paul's in jail, now, he, Laura, would you have a bad attitude? Maybe you'd have a great attitude one day. Do you think there's a possibility that you might have a bad attitude for part of a day getting arrested for something that isn't wrong? Yeah. So you got to have something to get your mind on the right thing. Because how many of y'all know you can't think of two things at once? Y'all know that? How many of y'all are trying to do it right now? Dude, I bet you're trying to do it right now. You're trying to, all you're doing is switching, man. You cannot think of two things at once. So if you're thinking about the wrong thing, you can't be thinking about what? The right thing. But if you're thinking about the right thing, you can't be thinking about the? That's why Paul told us again. We went over it last week. I'm not going to go over it all. 
But in Philippians, that he wrote from prison, chapter 4, verse 5, 6, and 7, he said, have anxiety about nothing. But when you find you have anxiety, he said, pray. Pray. The difference between prayer and worry is what? Who you're talking to. You're talking to yourself. You're talking to somebody else that can't do anything. It's worry. It's anxiety. It doesn't do any good. As soon as you bring that conversation into one with God, it's now called what? Prayer. He said, with supplication, tell him what you'd like to see. In and out. Let him work it through and, and, and talk you into the right thing. Let him work through all that. And with thanksgiving, ask him why to be thankful for this. Because when you're grateful, everything is, help me out again, great. When you're grateful, everything's great. So, man, all right, I got anxiety. Now I'm talking to God, and, and, and I'm not talking to myself anymore. Now I'm telling him what I'd like to see happen in this matter. Now I'm saying, God, why should I be grateful? And he's like, yeah, this is why. Like, oh, awesome. Now I'm grateful. Everything's great, right? He says, then the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Your situation didn't change. You now have peace in this situation. It passes all understanding. The world's saying you should be freaking out, and you're like, you're only freaking out because you're not freaking out, right? And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard, protect, preserve your heart, which is where your desires are, and your mind, which is where you figure out how to get those desires done, amen? And so he says you change it all by prayer. And that Paul learned that in prison. Paul was in prison to write these epistles, but can you imagine him trying to write these epistles with a bad attitude, Laura? You know, man, this stinks, I'm here, this food's horrible, and he's writing the book of joy, Right? No, he's got to keep the right mindset. So if he's praying, he's talking to God, and he's thinking about the right thing. And if you're talking about the, thinking about the right thing, Julie, you can't be thinking about what? The wrong thing. Do you ever need help thinking about the right thing? I mean, look, you live with Brad, right? And, and you live with a human, all right? Not just Brad. I mean, can you imagine my wife? <laughs> the stress she is under living with me? <laughs> uh, 32 years, bro. Uh, and, and Sis? No, <laughs> anyways. So, so in this, Paul prays a lot. And when Paul at the end of Philippians or at the end of Ephesians 1 starts talking about prayer, he's just saying, hey, here's another way to pray when you need to change the way you're thinking. You got to change your thinking. You can't lick mountains out of molehills. You can't let your thinking drag you down and discourage you and depress you. How many of y'all think too much? How many of y'all are guilt? All right, instead, all right, all right I see you. How many of y'all know somebody that thinks too much? You don't have to point to them, even if they're right next to you. How many of y'all know somebody that thinks too much? Yeah, and you watch them, and you're like, dude, just chill. <laughs> you know? You, why do you need to know more details? You already know the answer. Dude, there it is. You think too much, and then you make mistakes. So, man, to save us from thinking too much and dragging ourselves down, we need to do what, y'all? pray. He gives us another way to pray. And we went over the first three parts last week. I'll go over them briefly. And I promise there's two new parts in this. And then next week we start Ephesians chapter two. So here's what we learned last week. Give thanks, know God and grow hope. So in essence, he said, man, when you don't know what to pray about, start giving thanks for people. Y'all look around right now and, 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 and see, put people's heads in your head, put their face in your head. So you'll know to give. All right? Look at me. Everybody look at me. All right? How many of y'all could, you know, know that I need some prayer? <laughs> I need prayer and you need to practice, right? That's what I'm saying. You don't have anybody else to pray for. Pray for me. 
And if you don't know why to give thanks for me, then ask God, why should I be grateful? And, you, and he may say, because you're not Miss Linda and you don't have to live with him. I might be, who knows? <laughs> I'm just saying. But there's people, get, I, sometimes when we start our small groups, I, I ask people for prayer requests. What can, how can we pray for you? How can we pray? And we don't pray for them right then and there. I say, now, when you see April's face in your head tonight, in the middle of the night, you know how to pray for her. And it's good when we start getting people's faces in our head so that when we see that face in our head at night, we can then pray for them. And the first thing he says is, man, give thanks for them and pray for them to know God. Pray for their hope to grow because you can't live without any hope. So the more hope you have in reality, the less you get discouraged and the more you grow. So take a look at this real quick. First thing was spend your time thanking God for people. And I'm just going to tell you, how many of y'all ever saw somebody out in public and you're like, thank God I'm not like them? <laughs> you probably are. <laughs> we're, we're most, you, you ever know how opposites attract? The people that offend us the most, I challenge you, the people that offend you the most are usually just like you. <laughs> we see it, we're like, oh, God, I can't stand that. And, and we're trying to get away from it before we see more self in them. And that's the only thing, that's one of the things I've learned in 30 years of pastoring and counseling is that when I'm offended by somebody, it's like, oh my goodness, that's me. I know it has, and and we can learn from their mistakes, right? Because we have a hard time learning from ours. But spend time thanking God for people. Look at this verse. Paul says, for this reason, because I have heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. Because look, I, I heard that you had faith and now I am seeing your love. Because when you have faith, you're trusting who? God. And when you love God, he caused you to love who? Others. So you can't have faith without love, and you can't really have true love without faith. Because God is the, uh, he's the definition of love, right? We can come up with all kinds. You know, we're hanging on to the world here. We, we can come up with all kinds of definitions. Oh, well, this is love. This is love. This is love. Well, you know what? You're using the wrong dictionary. God is love. And ultimately, God lasts forever. And so what God says is what really, truly matters. Do you understand? He's the last one standing. (laughs) There's nothing standing but what he wants to have stand. This world system is going away. It's not lasting forever. So we are not hanging on to this world system really the way God wants to see it is we are in Christ and the world system's hanging on us and we're trying to bring people in. We're, and we're not beating them over the head trying to bring them in. We're trying to bring them in through what? What does he say? Your faith is demonstrated in what, Nate? Love. Action. The love. That's how you demonstrate your faith. So he said, man, I see your faith. I hear about it, but I see your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love towards the saints. When you have faith in God, you know you're taken care of eternally. You're already in Christ. So you really have to worry about this world? No, you do what God wants you to do. You are responsible to answer to him one day for everything he's given you the opportunity to do, no matter where you're at. And so you're taken care of. So since you're taken care of, you work for the most awesome corporation. You have the most awesome CEO with the most unlimited resources. Do you ever have to worry about anything? No, you're in Christ and you're there forever. If you get the wrong perspective and you think the world's where you need to be, you're a Christian hanging on the edge and you're gripping. You're gripping and have you ever felt like you're losing your grip? Ugh, 
don't you know? That's not you. Your identity is you're a believer. You're in Christ. The rest of the world system and everybody following it are, is hanging on to what is going to be eternal. That's what he says at the end of all this. So he said, man, because for this reason, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and I know you got real faith because it's not about you, it's about others. William Booth. Anybody know who William Booth is? Was <laughs> Salvation Army before they got woke, all right? I'm just saying he, uh, well, they lost all kinds of donations because honestly, I'm just telling you what the facts are. I'm not being prejudiced. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying they told, they said white people as they donate, white people basically need to apologize for being one. And you know what Paul said? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says there's neither Greek nor Jew. Once you get born again, there's one race, and it is the we are believers. We are children of God once you're born again. Out in the world, they can make as many distinctions as they want. Why does the world keep distinguishing everybody? So they can separate them. It's all for the matter of power, and you're going to see in this, God has all power. It's all futile trying to get power in this world. I don't care if it's on your job, it's in your industry, wherever. So in this, William Booth, when he started the Salvation Army, William Booth, basically, he got called. It was just phenomenal what was going on through their ministry. And he got called to go speak at some giant conference. And that's not who he is. He served, man. He's behind the scenes guy. He's basically getting the gospel, helping people, meeting their needs and getting, organizing people to do that. And he got up to the podium, man. He got up to the podium Everybody's waiting to hear what this great man has to say so they can copy him and do exactly what he did. You know, give us your system. Tell us what you did to succeed, like all the other seminars, right? He's waiting for him to say something. He's waiting. He's waiting until everything's dead silence. And you know what he said? Others. And then he walked off. That was his entire speech, dude. He said, others. And then walked off and were like, what? Did y'all get that? How do you spell that? Was it really others in English? Was it, is that an acrostic for something? You know, it's like, no, others. If you're taken care of because your life is in Christ, who is life about? Others. And it's not until we start making it about ourselves do we get in trouble and we get dissatisfied and we feel like we're ripped off, we're being shortchanged, and, 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 and we lose perspective. Again, if you are in Christ, you are in Christ forever. You're taken care of. And others are the people, the systems, the situations. Right now, I've been playing a lot of disc golf, man. It's hippie golf. We throw frisbees in the wood, not these kind. It's awesome. And I am grateful God lets me play disc golf right now. But it's not about me getting a better score. I am getting better. But that's not what it's about. It's not about me spending all our money on disc. Right, Linda? No, I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) but I need that disc because it'll get me around that tree. It's not about that. You know what it's about? Every encounter I have out there, that's where God has me right now. That's, That's where I get the chance to love others, no matter where your thing is, because the world needs to jump and be in Christ. And the system God put in place for that to happen is the church. It's the church. As you've heard me say before, sometimes the the definition of a successful church is like everybody being together and we're like one giant manure pile. What happens to, what's a, hey Jeff, what's it like on the bottom of a manure pile? Oh, it's hot and warm, right? Okay, Jeff Essinger, what, what's, what is the ground like? Is it a thriving 
plethora of vegetation and fruit and vegetables on the bottom of a giant manure pile? No, it's dead. It's dead. And the more we kind of make that what Christianity is, a bunch of us Christians hanging out, it just, oh, love Jesus, we love Jesus. No, it's about others. So you know what God does? In fact, we've got empty seats every single week, and I know where y'all are at because y'all call me and tell me because you know I'm going to call you and ask you. But, and not because it's about numbers, because I love you. And, and it's about helping people see life from God's perspective. You know where, where these empty seats, these people are? They're out helping somebody share, uh, see life from God's perspective. Whether they're in per- Puerto Rico or they're at home sick. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, what God does is he takes manure Alex, he takes manure from the manure pile. That was you guys. You were Where were you just at? Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, and he took you out of the manure pile. I'm not saying Pennsylvania's a manure pile. I'm saying that wherever the manure pile is, and Lord knows I'm not saying Wisconsin is because I would get killed by half y'all in here, right? But he takes you from the manure pile, and he chunked you somewhere. He chunked y'all here. Praise God. And so what happens when you start spreading manure, Mac? Dude, stuff grows. And God has been doing that since the first century church. He's been chunking manure. So I could have y'all say, I am manure. Please chunk me. But just understand that. That's why he moves us. That's why he changes us. Because when we get settled in one big pile, dude, everything dies under us. So he said, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards the saints, because you can't have faith without love, can't have love without faith, because it comes from God. It's not natural. You can't love people and things that are unlovable without the source, which is God. So he says, man, I'm seeing this because I see this. And he's thinking about it while he's in jail. And it's changing his thoughts. He's thinking about the right thing. And he's being encouraged because of their, they're following his preaching and they're following Christ. And he's watching their faith. He's like, yes, that's encouraging him as opposed to being discouraged. He said, man, because I see this, I do not stop praying for you. I do not stop giving thanks for you, remembering you guys in my prayers. So as he gets his mind off his situation and starts about them and how they're implementing things in their life, it's changing his attitude. Have you ever knelt down to pray and started praying for people and come out revived? If not, go do it. Start doing what he said. Go thank God for people and what you're seeing God do through them and, and, and use them and, and ask for the same thing. He said, man, I don't stop ceasing. To, I don't, I'm not cease to give thanks for you. Man, I remember in all my prayers because when he sees them doing what's doing, is he losing courage or getting courage? And that's what encouragement is, is he is now being encouraged. So he starts by praying for him. Uh, Man, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you for doing this. I'm thankful for how God is working in you. Bruce Lee, I am so excited as to watch how God is working in you. Man, you may, do you always see God working in you? No, do you have some times where you're like, man, God ain't working in me, man. All right, man, you ever feel that way? Yeah. I want to encourage you because I see God working in you. You may take a step back, not as many steps as some of these people have taken back, but I'm just, no, I'm joking. But literally, you feel like you take steps back, but man, I'm thanking God for what I see, the heart he has put in you. Ever since I've even met you, I've watched that heart for him grow and your heart for others grow in that. So not only do we pray and ask God and thank God for people, but as we start praying for him, so you need to pray, 
start thanking God for people. How many of y'all can do that? Can you do that? Just close your eyes and start, all right, God, put someone in my head. Dude, when I first gave my life to Christ back in 1988, he woke me up every morning at 2 a.m. I was ticked off. I'm like, God, I'd be like this. And I'm like, God, why? Why do I have to be up at 2 a.m.? And he said, how many of y'all know what I'm even going to say? Because he did the same with you. He, he, said, he said, what's happening at right now at 2 a.m.? I said, well, the bars are closing. There's some people looking for a last call. Every, everybody looks good at 2 a.m. Somebody's looking for somebody to go home with. There's all kinds of things happening right now. There's going to be people driving home trash, drunk. There's people going to be passed out. God, all the things. There's going to be fights. All the things I experienced before I gave my life to Christ. He said, now you know why I'm waking up at 2 a.m.? And I'm like, well, who do I pray for? And he started putting faces in my head. And I'm like, who else, God? He put faces in my head. Who else, God? He put faces in my head. You know what was so cool? Years later, seeing these same faces in 7-Eleven and them telling me they gave their life to Christ at some point. And they couldn't believe I did either. (laughs) I did too. In watching that, you don't know who to pray for, who to give thanks for. Say, God, put somebody's face in my head and let him give you somebody to give thanks for. Now, you're like, okay, I gave thanks for him. Now what do I do? Well, pray for them to know God more intimately. I said I wasn't going to preach on this again because I did last week, but some of y'all weren't here. And those of you who were probably don't remember all of it anyways. All right, so look what he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He wants, so you start praying that they have a spirit of wisdom, which is seeing life from God's perspective, and revelation to know what to do with it. So you see life from God's perspective. Now you got to figure out what to do with it. And you start praying and say, God, let them see life from your perspective and let them know they have the power and ability to do something with it. Here's the purpose of it. It's not just so you can walk around being Billy Biblehead and Sally Sunday School and impress people with all your knowledge. It's so you can do something with it. Look what he said. In the knowledge of who? God. That's why. That's what the idea, that's why you need to see life from God's perspective, and you need to know what to do with it, because as you see it and do it, now you are seeing more of who God is. And the only reason we love God is because what? He loved us first, exactly. And so the more you know about God, the more you fall in love with God. Unlike some people, how many of y'all met people before, and you're like, dude, they're pretty cool? Anybody? And then later you're like, yeah, okay, well... (laughs) But with God, the more you get to know him, the cooler he is, the better it is, the more you see how much he loves you and cares for you. But you only get that through there. So you want to know the second thing to pray for people? Thank God for him, but pray and and ask God to help them know him better. Hey, if they know him better, Scott, then what's my relationship with them going to be like? Better, yeah. Does that work with you and your wife? Yeah. So if your wife knows God better, she's going to be a better wife for you. Dude, is that not worth praying for? I mean, I'm not saying she's bad, but how many of y'all could have a better, could use a better wife right now? I'm just, no, maybe I didn't say that right. How many of y'all could use a better spouse right now? You all can because none of us are perfect, right? How many of y'all know you're married to somebody who's imperfect? Oh, you don't even have the guts to raise your hand. You don't want to get the elbow, right? But Literally, can you imagine if the people we hang out with and we are around get to know God and they become better? Who does that benefit? That benefits us. And and that's true with everyone we encounter. Everyone. So you got something to pray for, right? 
And so he says, man, he said, God, please give them wisdom to see everything from your perspective in Revelation and know what to do it so they, not so everything works out for them, but so that they can get to know you better. Hey, April, whose image are we made in? Were you scared when I called your name? She's like shaking her head there. Now it's probably just a church nod, you know. I, 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 yeah, okay, yeah, if I do this, he won't call on me. No, I'll call her. <laughs> whose image are we made in? Yeah, so look at, if we're made in God's image and we get to know God better, we'll get to know each other better. At least who we're really supposed to be, not the facades that the world tells us to be a part of. Isn't that awesome? So anyways, thank you for shaking your head for, yeah, yeah, isn't that awesome? No, not really, but no, like, all right. So anyways, so pray for them, thank God for them, um, and uh, when you're praying for them, ask that they get to know God better. And did we just switch? Oh, here we go. And the next thing he says, when you're praying, know God better. He said, ask them to ask that their hope would get, they would get more hope. Uh, Let me just read this and pray that their hope will grow knowing God has a plan. Have you ever saw, have you ever had a plan and your plan wasn't working out And, and you lose hope, right? Hey, what's it like living with somebody hopeless? Now, I know you don't know in your own relationship, but how many of y'all have ever watched that happen in neighbors? People at work, man, they lose hope, and it's like, dude, I won't want to be married to them. Man, I won't want to be hanging out with them. No, when you're hopeless, man, when you're full of hope, you ever been around people full of hope? Dude, it's a pretty awesome place to be. And so you can pray, pray that they, their hope in you, God, their hope in your plan uh, will we'll make them a better person. Look at this. So check this out in this uh, next passage. He says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. We talked about that last week. In fact, some of y'all even sent me stuff on that, right? And what it's meaning is that your heart has eyes. So what you see, you feel in your heart and you know the right thing to do with it. The right thing, not what you want to do because your heart's more, than deceit, more deceitful than anything, Jeremiah says. But you, you have God's eyes in your heart. The eyes of your heart are enlightened, so you can really see things. You don't just blow things off. And the things you see, you know what to do with it, all right? And so he says, man, pray that having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the what? Hope. What is hope? Karen, what's hope? I know you got your hands full. What is hope? Tell me what... And for you, what's hope? I hope this kid sleeps tonight. I hope, hope Marissa, like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. What do you hope for Marissa? But <laughs> I'm not even going to suggest anything. I'm just grateful God brought her. But we have hope. I hope this doesn't happen on Jason's job. I hope this. So it's something we're looking forward to. Hope is we're looking forward to it. When you got nothing to look forward to, is there any hope? No, that's a rut. Somebody told me one time a rut was a casket with both ends kicked out. Think about that. That's what a rut is. It's a casket with both ends kicked out. You got, no, you got no hope. You don't even know what's next. But God is the God of hope, of all hope. And pray that their hope in the right thing will grow. And look what he says, having eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What that means is he's called you. Has he called you to do something right now, Sue? Right this moment? Yeah. Yeah. How about after church? So, Exactly, right? But ultimately, you've been called to live with him in heaven forever. But you, that calling starts the moment you give your life to him. So, hey, what part of your life 
from the time you were born again to the time you go see him in heaven is not important? At what point is there never a calling? At what point does he give you an encounter that this doesn't even matter? Is there ever one? No. Every moment we're going to give an account to him for everything he has set us up to do. Well, all I'm doing is sitting at a stupid red light again. Well, your hope is that you're there by God's design, and what does he want you to do? Sometimes what he wants you to do is what he doesn't want you to do. (laughs) In other words, does he want you to get tired of it and slam on the accelerator and ram everybody in front of you? No. (laughs) Maybe he wants you to chill and represent him. So imagine every moment, that's what he's praying. He's praying for them that, dude, don't lose hope. Every single moment of every single day and every single encounter, man, they know this is part of your plan for their life. There's no limbo when it comes to the Lord. Every moment, Gavin, is that hard to swallow sometimes? Are there moments in your day where you're like, oh, heck no, I know things all over this. God ain't got nothing to do in this. I mean, we feel that way unless we know the truth. But the truth is when we know that, that God, God, okay, show me. What do you want me to do in this situation? All right. You just hang tough. You do what I'm telling you to do. One day you're going to look forward, you'll be able to look back, and you're going to see the purpose in all of it. But right now, is God a big enough God to move you as a big old candlestick anywhere he wants? But he hasn't. And I'm not just picking on you. I'm picking on anybody. Our position right now is, is we are exactly where God wants us. You're surrendered to him. He's, he, he'll move you when you need to be moved. And if you are in the wrong place and you're just being stupid like me sometimes, you're like, all right, God, here I am. He's like, no, not really. He'll communicate and he will move you and do things. But that's what you're praying for. Don't lose hope in God's plan. He's called you. And and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance? Man, he's got a lot invested in you. He's got more invested in you than you've ever invested in anything. He's not going to let you go to waste. He's got a plan for your life. In fact, I've told you before, when this whole COVID thing all came up, and I'm sitting in my back porch, and I'm just like, God, I'm getting calls from people that hate the government, calls from people that love the government. I'm getting calls from people who think there's nothing to this disease, and there's people that are terrified that the whole kindergartner is going to take the whole world out with this disease. God, I'm, I'm getting calls from people who want to just trash it all and help everybody in their economic situation. I got people in the economic situation just want to hoard. God, I've got people in all these. What do I do? People want you to agree with them. They want you to be on their side. And God just said, look, man, I have taken away everybody's gods so that they will now know the real God, which is me. And if that's where they find their hope, that's where they find their peace, that's where they find everything they need is in me as the real God. It doesn't matter what other gods get taken away. So you bring every conversation. You don't have to agree. You don't have to disagree. Be careful when they're thinking the way you are and you get agreeing. Anybody ever got riled up over any of this stuff in the last two years? Chris, I remember your Facebook post at first. You, you, you've kind of chilled a little bit. All right, a lot. I, you thought I was talking about this, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and again, I'm not, I'm not. But we get riled up, right? And then we have a chance of misrepresenting Christ. So the bottom line is we've got to always take it back to the fact God's in charge and God has done this for a reason. And what does he want to accomplish in my life and the life of others with this? And I said, well, God, how do I do this? And he said, respond to 
every situation in such a way that when you give me an account for that, you will hear the words, what? Well done, good and faithful servant. So you get me on one of my soapboxes, baby, and, and you lure me in. Uh, how many of y'all ever seen me be lured in? Yeah, you know it. It don't take much, man, just like you. And I get lured in. I'm like, oh, I got to backtrack because I want what I say. I want how I respond for one day God to say, man, well done, good and faithful servant. You brought it right back to Christ. It'd be better if I didn't get the soapbox. Or what if you, you have your soapbox and I want to refute your soapbox? That certainly doesn't work, does it, Bob? No, and you've tried, haven't you? Yeah, you will never win a Facebook argument. I'm just telling you. Anybody here ever win a Facebook argument? No, you haven't. You just made Facebook enemies and got your put in Facebook jail. You know what you've done. But anyways, but it doesn't stop us, does it? We feel better, but if we see the calling we have, look what he says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. So when my heart gets stirred, God's enlightening my eyes and let me see it from his perspective that I may know what is the hope to which he's called me. And my hope to what he's called me is not to be a professional Facebook argument winner. <laughs> In fact, I'm always a loser. <laughs> no matter what, everybody loses and, and you think you won. But my hope is to turn people to Christ, bring Christ to people and people to Christ because that's where I'm finding my hope is in this. And he said, man, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance of saints? He said, remember, Gene, you are God's gift. You are Jesus's gift to God. And when you were really messed up, not as messed up, you know, less messed up than you are now, because you've been sanctified a bit. You ain't glorified and perfect, right? Would you admit to that? All right, so, man, when you were totally messed up, God gave you to Jesus, according to John. And then Jesus said, yeah, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to start saying salvation. We'll start a process of sanctification. She'll become more like me. And one day she's going to be glorified and be perfect. And then you're going to be given as a gift back to God the Father from Jesus. And what's God the Father going to think about that gift? Woo, I got me another gene. Woohoo! And look at Bob. Hey, you guys, come here and watch the video when he jumped off the boat, man. Well, and I'm not saying it's the only good thing. I just saw a change. I saw that smile. I've seen, I just saw stuff shed off. It was such an awesome thing. And I've seen it in so many of you. Your lives have been changed. You know, that's what it's about. So, man, he said, he said, don't forget that you are God, Christ's gift to God. You ever thought about it? You ever had people say, oh, I'm God's gift to humanity? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> you might be. <laughs> yeah, but as a believer, we know we are Christ's gift to God. And God's going to be stoked about that. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when he opens that package and sees you? Some days we feel like, oh, that's horrible. But I'm telling you what, he's, he judges you by your future. And because he's in charge of that, he knows how you end up. And it's just like him. So the new stuff, now that it's 11 o'clock, here we go. All right, super quick. It's only two verses. How long? Maybe three. I don't know. But two points. All right, look at that. He said, man, so when you need to change your thinking, man, when you need a diversion, you, you find your thinking too much, and you find yourself messing up and just going down a wrong rabbit trail, and it's hurting you, turn your conversation into one with God, and now it's prayer. He said, so if you want to know what to pray for people about, start praying for people that you're thankful for. Say, God, who should I be grateful for? And, and let him, and some of them are going to be hard. 
might be your nasty neighbor. And you're like, God, why should I be grateful there? And he'll tell you, but I'm just saying, start thanking God for people. While you thank God for people, ask God to show them more of who he is. And as they do that, say, God, and please don't ever let them lose hope. Help them know you have a plan and help them be encouraged by the plan you have for their life. And one way that people don't lose hope is by knowing God's power. Pray that they know God has the power to pull off his plan. How many of y'all ever had a plan for a business and then you didn't have the power to pull it off? You know what I'm saying? Uh, how many of you ever had a plan for your family and didn't have the power to pull it off? I'm just saying, how many of y'all ever had a plan and didn't have, or how many of y'all had somebody say, buy into this plan, help me out, and this is what's going to work out, and, and you buy into their plan and they didn't have the power to pull it off? Well, we know that can be expected in humanity, but no, whatever God's plan is, is there anybody that's going to stop his plan? Gigi, man, I'm so glad to see you. They let you out of Canada. They let those guys out of Canada also, man. And uh, now whether they let you in, that's not, man, is there anybody that can mess up God's plan? Can your prime minister mess up God's plan? How about our president? Can he, dude, can he mess up God's plan? No. Bob's like, well, if anybody can, it's him, but he can't. I'm not getting political, all right? Do you understand nobody can mess up God's plan? And there should be hope in that, man. Pray that they know God has the power to pull off his plan. We're not going to get halfway through it and we're like, oh, I put my faith and trust in the wrong thing again. I'm telling you, this is the only thing. That's why you're not hanging on the world. If you're not in Christ, you're hanging on. And the next step, God wants you to get in because this is all that's going to last in the end. And so, man, look at this next. Uh, oh, can you grab that for me? Uh, and what, it, look at what he, Paul says now in this, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe? There's a mouthful, all right? But check this out. So look at this, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. So starting off, who is this power, this immeasurable greatness of power for? Who has? Ralph, does everybody in the world have access to the great, or is it to believers? Yeah, look what he says. And man, guys, don't you know when you got in Christ, the immeasurable greatness of his power is to believers. The world does not have access to this until they get in Christ. Because it would be like giving an atom bomb to a two-year-old. <laughs> I'm just saying the world would not have the right motivation, the right heart, the right direction to use it the right way. And in fact, sometimes as Christians, we don't. That's why God doesn't give it to us because he knows we do the wrong thing with it, right? So man, look what he says. What we have is immeasurable greatness. How many of y'all have immeasurable, immeasurable greatness? Anybody here have immeasurable greatness? Yeah, you think it is, right? But it's not. It's all measurable by something. But this is immeasurable greatness God has of his power. That word power is the word we get dynamite from. It's dunamos. <laughs> it's, and when they invented that, they had to come up with some word, and they're like, yeah, that, that's the best we can come up with. If I blew up a bunch of dynamite right here in the middle of you guys, that would still not even be close to God's power, but his power is under control. It says, what is the immeasurable <coughs> greatness of his power? 
but I don't want you to miss this, towards us. Who's the us again? It's not everybody in the world, it's us. It's us, ones that have him living inside us and our desire is growing to make known, to become more like him, which is what's going to happen in heaven. And it's to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So you want to know how powerful he is? I, I, I challenge, who's the most powerful person in here? Dude, you got a lot of power? All right, who's the most powerful person in the world right now? And don't say Nancy Pelosi. All right, I'm just saying, uh, the Pope. I, I don't know who's the most powerful person in the world right now. Maybe it's, it's these people we don't even really know. I don't know. But could the most powerful people in the world take this flip-flop and make it come alive? Do they have enough power to make that flip-flop come alive? Hey, bro, can anybody in this world, can you? Can you make this flip-flop come alive? No. Can anybody? Do you know anybody powerful enough to make that flip-flop come alive? Yeah. Do you think God could make that flip-flop come alive? How many of y'all believe God could make that flip-flop come alive if he wanted to? Anybody? Yeah. Dude. I don't know why he would want to. I mean, some of y'all, if you, if you did a microscopic survey in there, you would say it is alive. <laughs> but <laughs> you better check your fingers too, bro, because you like fit, took junk off my feet. But what I'm saying is God's the only one who can take something that's not alive and make it alive. All birth, every child. How many people have tried to have children and they couldn't? The conception is of God. He makes life physically and then we have to be born again. God can take a dead soul, uh, not a dead person, but a, a person who's physically alive, has no desire for God, and give them the desire and ability and make them alive. Anybody experience that? Barb, what were you telling me on the phone the other day? You're like, I can't wait to, I don't know if it, uh, it's not a secret, I, I can't wait to wake up and like read his Bible. I can't wait, oh no, get your chores done, that's what it was. She's telling me, like, and that was what, uh, after, right after a conversation you had with her, but uh, on the US one, but I can't wait. It's like, what were your words? You were like, it's like, so, I can't even believe who I've become. Something like that, right? Yeah, I, and it's real. I didn't do it. Nobody did it. What happened is one day she said, I, God's pursuing me. I'm like, well, if he's pursuing you, he's going to catch you. If he's pursuing you, you better. Man, the, the God of all gods, the one that keeps the tiniest atoms together to the one who keeps the planets from crushing into each other, he's thinking you're important enough to pursue you. And if you recognize that, you're going to be accountable for it. What are you going to do with it? And she followed that pursuit. She's like, yeah, I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm like, you know, it's a good thing. We were talking about things in Scripture in that. But that's what, so he made you born again. He gave you spiritual life. It says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So Christ was dead. How dead was Christ, Bruce Lee? Dead, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was dead, dead. That's why he was down three days, two and a half, whatever the Jewish calendar, whatever y'all want to say. He was dead. So nobody can say it was a resuscitation, right? And in fact, the disciples none of them even believed that he was going to be risen. That's why they were actually bringing. What were they when they went and found? A, uh, they went to the tomb. What did they bring? Spices because they thought he would already be rotten, right? But they didn't find him. God made him come back to life. 
And if you can believe that, that's the foundation of Christianity. Because if he can make him come back to life, hey, bro, what's going to happen to you when you're dead? Yeah, and it's going to be any doing of yours? Hey, dude, Rick, when you're, you're laying on the ground, you're dead. No heartbeat, no nothing's going on. Is there anything you can do to bring yourself back to life? Not a thing. And you're a resourceful person. You can make it happen, can't you? And you're encouraging your employees. You can do it. You can do it. And, 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 but there's nothing you can do. It's going to be solely him. Do you believe he can make you come back to life? And his resurrection is proof of that. That's the proof of it. The same power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Not only did he raise him from the dead, but here's this dude everybody thought was a carpenter, a guy who didn't even have a place to lay his head, a guy who got crucified on a cross, got beat beyond recognition, everybody took care of. And here's a guy now that, Christ, that God Almighty says he seated him at the right hand of heavenly places. If he were to seat you at the right hand of heavenly places, wouldn't he have, to have more power than everyone else? And so God has, has lifted him up above everything. So again, this is the power. And, and that power, that resurrection power, when we baptize people, which by the way, if uh, uh, you have um, Jacob, Jake, no, what was his name again? I'm sorry. I get, keep getting messed up between Jacob. Yeah. Uh, if you, the kid we baptized last week, he's actually in his military thing, and he wants you guys to write letters, not emails, not texts. You, you guys know where you take like a, this stick that's got ink in it, and, and you take some parchment, I don't know, some, you can write on, it, it's, it's this stuff that's foldable, and you can actually little write letter. He wants people to actually write letters so he can read them over and over. He said that would be the greatest encouragement from his church family. So if you want his contact info, text me, and, and I'll send it to you, and uh, we'll, get, we'll get it to you. Now, what does that have to do with what I was talking about? Oh, baptism. <laughs> yeah, I had to make that now. Literally, he wants you to write. How, just out of curiosity, how many of y'all be interested in writing him a letter? Yeah, and he wants letters, man. Oh, you look like you're happy about that. So, it, you can't probably write it in cursive, though. I don't know if you'll get it. No, I'm just messing with you. Uh, it, uh, never mind. But anyhow, when we baptize people, all right, when we baptize them, they're standing in the water. It looks like a cross. Take them under the water. That represents Jesus' death and burial, right? Because he rose again, we lift them back up again. And that symbolized Jesus' resurrection. But what it also symbolizes, as we say every week, when we baptize people, it symbolizes you saying, I've died to be in the boss of my life as best I can, and I'm rising to live a new life with Christ as my authority, but you're not doing it in your power. You're doing it in his resurrection power. In other words, his resurrection power is going to give you the ability to do things you can't do in the flesh. And that's what he's saying here. I want you to be encouraged. Not only does God have a plan, but God, God's so powerful. He can take, he, he can accomplish, but God giving you power to do anything he's called you to do. Well, I mean, why would God, uh, why would God give you assignments that you don't have enough power to accomplish? Anybody ever get those from God? Things that you got no clue how it's going to happen? Like when the boat motor, oh, it's 11 grand. Oh, that's awesome. I ain't got 11 grand. And then, oh, no, it's going to be this much more. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. People are like, you should get it. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. I don't have it. <laughs> but God did. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about 
man, everything. Because when it happens, people are like, dang, you didn't do that. Who do you have to give glory to? God, because he did it. He does it through people. He does it. He gives us that. He does that. He just gives us that power. So again, that he worked in Christ, the power he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and then seated him at the right hand of heavenly places. That power is accessible to us. So don't lose hope. If you have no answers, I know the one that does. You just got to get so tight to the one that does that you don't lose hope. And so pray that people understand how powerful he is. Look at this. He's far above. What's the next word? Far above what? What does all mean? Everything. Is there any exception? No. All rule and authority and power and dominion. Later in this uh, book, we're going to see where we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against powers and dominions and, and, and the, uh, d- the demonic forces and things. We don't really fully understand it, but guess what? This verse tells us Christ is above it all. Gavin, you ever see the devil work? <laughs> Every day, right? How many of y'all see the devil work every day? Hopefully it's not through you when you look in the mirror, I'm just saying. <laughs> or see videos of yourself, but here, here's the deal, man. No matter what he's doing, God's above him. Far above him. Did you get that first word? Far above. Captain Mac, what does far mean? Not even close. So he says, man, don't lose hope. His power, and he is, he is not only is he powerful, but he's got a position that is far above anybody who's in any kind of authority, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So there's people that are powerful in each generation, but he's the most powerful in all generations. It's never going to be another election, never going to be an appointment, never going to be a coup. There's never going to be anything that is going to surpass him. So where do you want to, what basket do y'all want to put all your eggs in? Or let me ask you a question. What Frisbee y'all want to put your monkeys in? (laughs) Literally, man, put it in this one. This is the one that lasts. The the world doesn't revolve. Christianity isn't one little part of the world. In the end, this is it. In Christ, you're either in him or you're not. And I don't think we understand that. I think we feel like as Christians, we tiptoe around. And God's like, what in the world are you doing? Do you understand my plan in the end? Do you understand how crucial it is that people hear? And do you understand the vehicle and the vessel that I put in place for them to hear? It's the church. And let me ask you a question. Who's the church? Yeah, everybody say me. When I say that, who's the church? Me. He's put you in place for this. But if you believe, oh, okay, I don't want to offend anybody. I'm I'm just a little Christian hanging out in the world. Oh, dude, we're in Christ, and this is all that's going to last. And because we're set up, we can be full of love to preach the truth in love. And that's what we're called to do. So he's above all authority in this age and age to come. So we pray people understand his power so they don't lose hope, knowing that he's going to work it out. Look at this last piece real super quick. And pray they never forget what a great privilege it is to be a part of God's plan. How many of y'all are pretty stoked to be a Frisbee right here? <laughs> How many of y'all are pretty stoked to be in Christ and be there forever? That's, we can't ever forget and get distracted. This is all that matters. And it allows us to make a difference in this world and a better difference. So look at this next little part. And it says, and he put all things under Christ's feet. Okay. 
What things did he put under Christ's feet? So if it's under his feet, it's all below him, right? He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things. So he is the head and he's over all things and it's to who? The church. I'm not talking about Driftwood or First Baptist or First Methodist or whatever. That's not. The church are the people who are called out of this world. They are called out from hanging on the edge, and they are called into Christ. If that's you, I don't care what shingle you fly. If, it, if you believe Christ is the only way to salvation, the Bible's our final authority, that's the church, and you're in Christ. And so uh, all things have been put under his feet, and he is now the head over all things. He's in charge of it all, and it's for who? The church, because this is all that's going to stand in the end. This is it. So it's all for this plan right now called the church. The people have been called out. That's literally what ecclesia means. Called out from the world to be a body of believers, to be a force, to be able to bring people in. And it's not bringing them in by force, it's bringing them in by love. And the Holy Spirit's the one that has to do it. He uses us. He says, which is the church? He's the, he, what part of the church is? What, what, what part of the body is he? He's the head, right? And he says, which is his body? The church is the body. Um, how many of y'all have a problem when your body doesn't do what your head is thinking? <laughs> you ever have that problem? <laughs> you ever have your body? Like, older we get, the better we were. Like, man, I think I'm going to be able to do something in my head, right, Rick? Remember when we used to play collegiate sports and all of that? And now we go give it a shot and we can't even finish? I'm just saying, but the head determines what's going on and the body is supposed to follow. And you ever watch athletics where it's a beautiful thing to watch somebody be able to do something like, wow, that's what the church is supposed to be. He's the head, we're the body. So who are we supposed to be listening to? Him as the head, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So if he's the head, who's supposed to be filling us with everything? The head. We get all our instructions, we get all of our ideas, we get all of our power, we get everything from him in all of that. So again, give thanks, know God, grow hope. Give thanks for people when you need to change your thinking, be praying, asking God, giving thanks for them, know, ask, asking God to help them know him better, asking God to help their hope grow in the fact that it's not pointless no matter what you're going through. And what helps our hope grow is knowing that God's got a plan. God's got a plan. How many of y'all don't have a plan and you need a plan in some area of your life? <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at sometimes. I'm like, what are you gonna do? I don't know. God hadn't shown me yet. That's where I was with the boat. When we were talking the other day, Mac, on the, on the island, what are y'all gonna do? Well, no, there's a used boat. There's a used thing. We got all these... I don't have a plan. It's his plan. I'm waiting on it. And a minute I stepped off of your boat, I'm getting ready to step on land. What would have happened if I'd have got that phone call when we were on the island? I, I, yeah, and I would have been like, all right, guys, this trip's over. We need to get back to land. I need to go get it. I need to go lick that ice cream cone and make sure it's mine, put the deposit on it. But God's timing was so perfect. I'm stepping over and I step on the land. Hello, I got good news. Here's your motor. Ha! <laughs> Yeah, I don't have a plan, but, you know, he's got a plan. 
And he's got the power to pull off his plan. And it's our privilege to be a part of that. Guys, ever view yourself as just another monkey hanging off this world system. What he tells us in the scripture, man, is he tells us that the world's hanging off of us because off of this system, his, because that's all that's going to last. So I got to ask you, are you in Christ? And again, I can't put you in there. I don't even want to talk you into being there. Anything I can talk you into, the devil can talk you out of. But do you know that you know that you know that when you die, you're going to heaven? If he were to snatch us up in the rapture, would you be going? Because you're in Christ. If you have a little, if you don't know, but you have a little desire to do that, that desire comes from him. He's giving that desire. It's like the wind. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving, but you sure know when it's there. It might not always be there, but if it's there now, give your life to Christ. Be in Christ. And if you are in Christ, make sure you're not like a monkey hanging off the side of this world. Realize the awesome privilege it is to be part of his plan and tap into all that power he's got. Let's pray. Father, thanks for loving us. And Father, I pray this made sense to someone because this made so much sense to me last night. Made so much sense even right now. You've talked to me. You've spoken to me. And Father, um, I pray you would speak to each heart, even if it's just one little piece, whatever it is we've heard. Father, I pray that we would apply it to our lives. Father, none of us get it all. What you do as a loving father is you cut it up like a big old steak. And you put these little pieces on a fork and you feed it to us. So whatever it is that we have heard today, Father, help us realize it's what we need to apply. My prayer, Father, is that we would implement prayer in our lives. And Father, as we're thinking about the wrong thing, wondering what's going on, wondering about how all our situations are going to work out, you would remind us of this and we would start literally praying for others and let you do what you're going to do. And while we pray for others, Father, we would ask that they would become closer to you because as we see them get closer to you and watch what you do, that brings encouragement to us in our lives. And Father, as we watch them get closer and their hope grows, Father, we, they may be the ones that actually encourages our hope one day. And it's because we prayed that their hope would increase. It may be them telling us about your power and your plan and reminding us that it's a privilege to be a part of that. So, Father, I pray that you'd speak to each of us and we'd walk out of here encouraged, knowing you are in charge and we are in you. We're not just another monkey hanging off this world's system, but, Father, there's a lot of monkeys hanging off your system that you have given us the command, the job, the motivation, the joy of bringing in. And so, Father, I pray you'd use us in ways that we can't even fathom and father you'd give people desires that they can't refuse to jump in christ and i pray for these things in jesus name